This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 797, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who understand that both freedom and great power come with great responsibility. Go ahead and follow that to its conclusion. Hello again, friend of a friend. I knew you were. I come and go, was waiting for the world to end. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 797. I am Preachy Josh Flanagan, and here is my opinionated co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. I have thoughts. Many, many thoughts. The thing about those thoughts is that apparently, if someone doesn't agree with you, there is no proper forum for those thoughts. This is not the time for those thoughts. This is not the place. No. What do I do with these thoughts, then? They fester. We got off social media. Yeah. So then it's just poor spouses. <laughs> you know what should be happening? <laughs> we, you should all get off social media for that very same reason. Oh, yeah. We are iFanboy, and every week we read our stack of comics, and one of us picks the one they like the best. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about the book, the other books, some mm. books, the patron pick, which is a book. We're going to listen to some emails. So many books. I'm going to guess that those emails are either based on books or possibly film or television that are based on books. <laughs> you know what I do for a living? I make books. Yeah. yeah Josh's books. life is book-based. It's what we're about. Yeah. It's our, it's, I mean, it's not who we are, but... I think it might be. Actually, you're, you're right, actually. Upon it's, further evident review. <laughs> it's true. We hope to have a good time. I think it's already started. There will be spoilers. So if that's going to make you not have fun, you know, watch your ass for that. Connor, you had the pick. I did, and oh, the sweet elixir of life, May's book number one from Dark Horse Comics, written and drawn by Jeff Lemire with Steve Wands on letters. And I say the sweet elixir of life because Jeff Lemire has been, low these many years, busy building up his Black Hammer empire at Dark Horse, which I've been enjoying. If you listen to yes. the show, you know that. But we first came across Jeff Lemire with books like the Essex County Trilogy that were intensely personal little stories that not little but about people not about superheroes that really tugged at your heartstrings or punched you in the gut or whichever metaphor you want to use that he would write and draw and this book may's book was like a return to that you know the rough neck book the royal city book he did a while back like that kind of thing where it's about just people and their usually their emotions working class folks who are very taciturn 
Right, who are struggling because of grief or sadness. And this book is no different. This, uh, I believe it's a five-issue or six-issue miniseries. It's a book about a man. He's 50 years old. He's a building inspector, I assume in Canada. And he has lost his daughter, and he can't shake the memory of her. But, but the problem is also that, as often happens, the longer you're away from someone, the, your brain starts to sort of erase them from it. Like if you think about trying to conjure up the memory of a face, it's sometimes it gets harder the longer it, you haven't seen that person. And so he is dealing with these dreams about his daughter and her red sweater that used to be his red sweater, but she wore it all the time. And he just, the face starts to get fuzzy. And this whole issue is a lot about grief and it's about the repetition of his day. You know, he gets up, he showers, he goes to work, <laughs> he goes to a job, he becomes Batman, <laughs> he goes to work, <laughs> he goes to the building sites. Can I, he, I'm sorry. So there's a bit in Batman 89 where he says that, and yeah. I have tried to find that clip, and it feels like nobody isolated that moment when he's trying to explain to Vicky Vale <laughs> poorly. And again, I don't know, if, I don't think that's good Batman, but it is quality Keaton. Oh, you yeah. know how like a normal guy <laughs> gets up, gets up, like I, I can apply that to my life <laughs> all the time, and he's pausing. He's like, <laughs> and you see him working over what to say from from word to word. He's struggling over what a normal person does in the day, like has <laughs> breakfast or with a person no and idea. goes out to a job. Anyway, you know, he's he, he's in a cycle of his life in this issue where he gets up, he goes to work, he goes to the building site, he comes home, he gets his mail, he doesn't talk to his cute neighbor. He sits down, eats dinner from the TV, goes to sleep. It's like there's a, there's a repetition to it. But in the midst of that, he's having these memories of his daughter. And again, she's like blurred out. And he starts getting these calls from his unknown phone number. He's declining them at first because that's what every normal right-thinking person does. But he eventually answers one, and it's a voice claiming to be his daughter. And what does that mean? It's the first issue. We don't know what's going on necessarily. But I was so captivated by, we've talked about this over the years, Jeff Lemire's ability to tap into often the sad human emotion. The saddest is Sad, middle-aged, white, Canadian male yeah. repression. And the other thing is, I don't think this gets talked about enough, but Jeff Lemire is an incredibly good cartoonist. His style is messy and dirty and some would call ugly. You know, he's not Darwin Cook here. But I spent a lot of time looking at the faces. Everybody in this book is instantly recognizable. And that's not a situation you often have in comics. In fact, there's a couple of books this week that weren't like that. And he does it often with just a couple of lines. And he, he conveys really deep emotion with just a couple of lines. You know, just the, the way he angles the eyebrow. It's just a very thin line, but it changes everything in the face. I'm constantly impressed by his art style, which over the years has, has been tough for some people. But I think it's terrific. And the coloring here is very understated. It's, it's mostly sort of black and white sepia tone until you get to the memories of the daughter. That's when you get like reds and blues and things. I don't know where this is going. I don't know what ultimately this is about, but I was really captivated by it. And I thought the craft of this blew away everything else this week. Nice. It was fine. <laughs> I think I really appreciate his work, and I don't think he's ever beat Essex County well, no. with this stuff. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But just in general, I'm in no mood for this kind of thing. Sure, I can see that. If that makes any sense. I also think if you compare this to Essex County, I think that his, which should be, like I think his, his uh, storytelling has improved. Really, he's capturing emotion. Mm-hmm at a very visceral level without having the writing do it. Yeah, I'm scrolling through the pages and very little dialogue. His mood, tone, all that stuff, it says exactly what it needs to without having to put any words on the page, and that's a a real talent. I just don't want to feel like that right now. Listen, I get it. Yeah, I've I've made a real right turn from like the (laughs) the emotionally like distraught, God, the emotionally distraught parent. I don't have that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need to relate to that. <laughs> but you know, really, really good. You know, like, the, like those are the, those are the things. So I'm glad that you really. I love his art so much. I'm just, I'm just scrolling through it. He just, he doesn't get talked about enough. I think amongst the top cartoonists. Do you think this had something in it that, like, that last run of Sweet Tooth didn't in terms of the art? Because I felt like it worked better. Yes. And I don't know why. I don't want to say that the Sweet Tooth art was more polished, but it, it maybe was a little more polished in terms of like a. Mm-hmm. You know, a DC book versus a Dark Horse book where he can basically yeah. make it as dirty as he wants. Mm-hmm. The art seems rougher here, looser. Yeah, but in a way, it makes it seem more complete, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, it feels more real in terms of what yeah. his expression is. 
and you're yeah. not coloring it to look like a mainstream right. book. Yeah, I mean that book wasn't successful, and I don't think in any yeah. any way. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge Lemire fan, but that book wasn't yeah. didn't really do anything. Didn't add anything to the Legend of Sweet Tooth story. No, they just had to bring something else because there was a show cashing in on a well, I guess it was a really popular show. Is it? That's what I've heard, but who knows? You know, it's streaming. There's no idea. No concept of anything anymore. I have fully turned into old man. I'm not not aware of it. No, the thing is, like, there's no way to know. You know, that's you, that too. You used to get. All right, let's talk about this weekly ratings reports, and even in the newspaper. But now it's like there's no way to know who's watching what. I just know from you know talk, and also like everybody at my job watched it, and that's like only you know you didn't watch it. No, I didn't. I didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. They just assume I watch all the comic shows anyway. There are a lot of them. <laughs> I had good books this. I had yeah, it's too many. I had good books this week, but this one uh, I read fairly early on, and I, the quality of the craft and the story really put it head and shoulders. There was not even a contest. I mean, there was there was other good books and books I could. If a Maze book hadn't come out, there were books I could have easily made pick of the week. But after you know, it just wasn't a, wasn't a choice. There was not mm-hmm. a contest. Good. That's always nice. And one of them, like in the opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> was. Infinite Frontier number six. Have you read this miniseries? I tried. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I think somewhere so. in the last issue or two, I, I was yeah. like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think like maybe two issues ago, I was reading through it and I maybe didn't finish because like, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And then I think the next one came out and I had forgotten about that and I was a few pages into it and went, no. And so this one, I, I downloaded it yeah. and then went, eh, no. No, I didn't I, even listen, I, can t- I can't even necessarily tell you what this is about, other than this was sort of your classic bridge miniseries. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the last big thing was, I can't even remember what it was, uh, the ba- last big DC story. This is leading up to the next, or the, the next event. I say next like this one a lot, but DC hasn't really been doing events. This is leading up to the next big event, I believe. And... It's very tied into Crisis and Infinite Earths. All the characters show up, like Pariah and Carbinger. It did a couple things. First of all, it's Josh Williamson and Harmonica. Harmonica's terrific. I love his art. And A, it brought back a very classic dark side. So, like, you know, when the multiverse reemerged, all these versions of dark side apparently combined into one ultimate dark side. And this ultimate dark side looks a lot like the classic dark side, which is great, because I didn't like the New 52 version. And the other thing... <laughs> look... I admit this is stupid. Wait, anything that starts with "look" is going to be. <laughs> I, I admit this is stupid, but I'm reading this book, and the whole time Barry Allen's been running on this wheel, very much like Crisis, and he gets zapped into this other plane, and it's the epilogue of the story, and <laughs> he, he sort of finds himself on a very destroyed planet, like all the buildings are destroyed, there's rubble everywhere. And he looks up in the sky, and this is a double-page spread. There's all these Earths, you know, the sort of classic DC image of all the Earths in the sky. Only this, in this one, they're all colliding and destroying each other. And he, <laughs> somebody says, this is Multiverse 2. I just started laughing for like five minutes. Like, okay, <laughs> Multiverse 2, Electric Boogaloo. The concept is just so dumb but kind of awesome in its dumbness that I just laughed. And it's like, fine, we're doing Multiverse 2. Let's do Multiverse 2. Let's really dial down on it. So I don't know that this was a good book. Barry Allen gets zapped into some sort of Silver Age world, Earth Flash 1. It's not exactly Silver Age because his kids are there and also for some reason Wallace West, which is a great opportunity to get rid of the second Wally West that we don't need, that no one needs, that was only there because of a short-lived actor on a tv show he wasn't even there for three seasons we could have got rid of him and simplified but nope still there listen i can't say this was a good book or a good miniseries but i can say i really enjoyed it it had really terrific art and i was happy to see dark side and in the end that we see briefly the denizens of apocalypse looking as close to classic as probably we're gonna get so i'm hoping that ship is righted and they brought roy harper back to life so what are you gonna do multiverse 2 I really like that you liked it. It's dumb. Yeah, no, but like you found the way to enjoy it, whereas yeah. I was I was like, I'm completely lost here, and I'm not enjoying this for at sure. all. And I wanted to. I was like, all right, let's get this President Superman to, to work for him. <laughs> and that, that never stops being funny. It is pretty funny. President Superman, and the fact that they all address him as President Superman all the time, is also dumb and funny. Yes. Yeah, I agree. 
but I couldn't. I couldn't make no, it I work. Could've. This had like Captain Carrot in it, right? Yeah, it's like the multiverse Justice League team kind yeah. of thing. But the number two book this week, I thought was Last Flight Out, number one, also from Dark Horse Comics, written by industry veteran Mark Guggenheim, with art by Eduardo Ferragato and Marcelo Costa. There's just a lot of Italians in comics right now. Edited by Kyle Higgins. I just figure them all hanging out like Vinny Vaducci. <laughs> hey, what are you Did you read this? Pick of the week. It was really good. This would have been my pick of the week if I had had the pick of the week. I enjoyed the hell out of this thing. This felt like the work of an old hand, you know? Like, yes. a, like a veteran pitcher comes into the game and maybe can't throw 98 anymore, but can work the corners and change speeds and do all the things that need to get done to get outs. And you're like, that's just a vet who knows what to do. And yep. Mark Guggenheim is that guy who takes this story, which I'll let you talk about in a second, and makes it a ticking clock mystery and all kinds of things at the same time that really make it compelling. By the end of it, I was like, I'm fully in on this story. And it was one of those things where it's extremely by the numbers, mm-hmm. but in such a way that it didn't feel rote. It was done extremely by the numbers, but with craft, so it kind of worked. And what I mean by that is, so you've got a story at the beginning, you got an Elon Musk-type character, and he's working on... Reed Richards. Science. Uh, yeah, and he's working on science to... Uh, yeah, I guess that's not Elon Musk, but he's working on an AI for a car. This is why I said that. Right. And there's there's a crash, and, and or his wife calls at the beginning, and she's like, the baby's getting born. He's like, I'm not going to miss that, and then he misses it. Right. And then there's a car crash, and his wife dies, and he's stuck with his kid, and then you know he works all the time, so he gets a bunch of nannies for his kid who basically raise him, and he just doesn't have time for anybody. We skip... 20 years in the future, uh, we go from 2035 to 2055. So what we have here, by the way, is near future hard sci-fi. Yep. Oh, that's good stuff. (laughs) All the humans have to get off Earth. For obvious reasons. Six years to go before we can't handle it. Uh, And he's in charge of making the shit that takes people away. And there's a metaphor going on here where like a bunch of the people in the world think, oh, this is bullshit. This isn't really happening. And he finds out that his daughter is one of the people who isn't getting on the ship. And so at this last moment, you know, he's got 24 hours to go. He goes off. And and there's a window they can leave. They don't explain why. They don't need to. Yeah. If they don't leave this last ship. 60 years. Two-thirds of the population has already left the planet. If this last ship doesn't leave in the next 24 hours, it won't be able to leave for 60 years. And they won't survive that long. So this is a ticking clock. You know, the bomb's going to go off. So what's interesting, though, is that I just explained the whole book to you, Mm -hmm. but this thing moved. Yeah, And and, and when they say, well, what's the window? And he said, well, the the next window's in 60-whatever years. And, you know, how many years does the Earth have left to be habitable? It was like six years. And so there's no explaining. They don't tell me where they're going. They don't tell me what the ships do. They don't need to. It's a cool drawing. No, they don't. And they, they keep it going in just that breakneck way, you know, one of my favorite things to watch is a natural disaster movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. and this is 2012, or this is whatever. Listen, Mark Guggenheim has spent most of his time making TV and, and movies, so, like, mm-hmm. he creates a cinematic story here. With economy. Yeah. You know, like, there's no wasted space. It works really, really well. It's really compelling, and the issue's over before you know it, and you want to know what happens next. The UN Secretary General who's running this program, who's also the same one from Abbas the Abbas <laughs> She agrees to give him a, a crew of Navy SEALs to fly him to Chicago, where his daughter is. And of course, because of climate change, the helicopter overheats and they crash. And there's only a few of them left. First, so a bunch of the Navy SEALs don't even believe in the, the climate change that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now there's only three SEALs. One of them's injured, plus the scientists who have to get to Chicago and somehow get back to wherever. Where was it that they were taking off from? Was it California? The ocean. <laughs> no, there's big snowy mountains behind them. So, Well, they're somewhere. Maybe it's yep. New York. It doesn't say. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But they have to get his daughter and get back in 24 hours. So now we've got a ticking clock situation amidst. They're like, you know, you don't want to go to Chicago. Everyone who's left is really bad. Yeah, I like that it was like with Chicago. Ooh, we don't want to go there. <laughs> like it just is an agreement and a knowledge. Oh, this was terrific. This was really good. I read it on a lark. I said, ooh, Mark Guggenheim. I haven't read a comic from him in a while. It looks like it's sci-fi. I'll check it out. And I was like, oh, shit, that was really good. Yep. Yeah. And I had read the solicit, and I thought, eh, I think I just expected there to be a supernatural thing. And there just wasn't. And I was just so thrilled. It was really fun. That was like the most surprise, you know, of like, oh, it's a different cool thing that is coming out, you know, but done in the style of mainstream comics and the language and everything, but just just a good story. I read May's book and Last Light Out back to back and I was like, comics are great. <laughs> yeah. Not All Robots number two from AWA 
and Mark Russell, Mike Deodata Jr., Lee Lowridge, Steve Wands. Josh, you didn't read number one. We talked about it in the show. Yeah, I missed it, and I then went and read it. So I, I got two, and I, I just wanted to check in on it. Mm-hmm. We had two so Mark weird. Russell books this week, by the way. We had this. Yeah. Dead Box. I thought Dead Box was bad. I couldn't think of anything to say about it. So that's why it's not I on the list. I just didn't think it was compelling. Bad yeah. relative to Mark Russell's talent. I was like, this is right. not compelling. I don't know why I'm reading this. With Not All Robots, I actually really enjoyed the first issue. I think I enjoyed it more than you did. You did, yeah. But in a sense, I'm not entirely sure what to make of this. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of things at once. I think it's interesting that you said, you know, he had mentioned it was largely about domestic abuse. And I can see that. He says largely about toxic masculinity. Right. Elements there, but it seems like there's more... Interesting. I would never have pulled that out as the thing it's mainly about. I wouldn't have said it, yeah. basically, if I'm the creator, because it's that, but like that's obviously an element that he's trying to work through, but there's a bunch of other things that are happening too. I'm not entirely sure what they are, but I do find it very interesting and very compelling. He is riding a line, I think, where he has the sense of humor that we all know about, but the book's kind of serious. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, there will be sort of jokes or gags that are kind of silly, but it feels incongruous, you know, mm-hmm. out of place to a certain extent. I don't think that Mike Diodato helps. Oh, really? I, thought, I think it's really good here. I do too, but I think in terms of me trying to nail down what the tone is, I, mm-hmm. I have a hard time with it. I think that the art is great. I think this is great Mike Diodato art. Yeah, it's nice to see him drawing something that's not superheroes. Yeah, no, it, totally. And like his robots are fantastic. And the family, you know, the body language of the humans is great. I just can't quite sort the tone out. Yeah, it's weird. It's, I mean, it's definitely it's, heading it's to a dark place. It's not quite serious, and it's not quite funny. I mean, like, there's a mass murder of, like, hundreds of thousands of people in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Don't say the joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of treated like, well, you know, they had it coming in a certain way. That's the robots. Right. See, that's, I think the more interesting thing here is the, the automation. You know, the, mm. the coming of the automated world. That, to me, seems like the more interesting thing to mine here. And so the feeling the robots have about humans is like, fuck these guys. We do all the work. They just sit around doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And so they don't care about the dead people in Orlando. And they, you know, they do all the work. So you know, they have the talk shows. And the one robot gets charged with the murder and goes into court, sticks his thumb drive in the machine, and gets the immediate non-guilty verdict and goes home. Like a coming automation of all aspects of life is, I think, the more interesting thing to delve into here. Mm-hmm. The automated car hitting the person on the street. And, you know, algorithm error. Sorry. Here's your compensation just drops cash like that's a straight-up gag yeah there wouldn't be cash in this world that's a good point but you need it for the visual gag yeah i did laugh at the end though when so one of the things that they decided to do is give all the robots like fuzzy names instead of like mm-hmm. robot names so like the main robot here who with the main family is called snowball now mm-hmm. and he's been working in his room and freaking everybody out and the dad goes in hey snowball what's going on what are those weapons you're making Snowball's in a play. <laughs> There's a stack of like axes and then and he swords. comes out. So I guess in this like Snowball is the Don Draper and the dad in the family is the beaten down wife. Is that Well in, in this world every family has a robot. The robot does the work and the family spends the money. Right. But he's not doing it like a slavery thing. That's not what it's about. It's not like, you know, No, it's I think I think again this is the masculinity thing. It's like the angry dad. Right. That's, that's why I think the model, the message is, is muddled in terms of that sense. But the robots are getting tired of the fact that they work, do all the work and humans are just, you know, living off their labor. There's a coming massacre on both sides. Yeah, I am engaged and invested and I, I'm going to read there. I really am curious sort of where it's going to go and end up. Mm-hmm. I think it's a guy who's experimenting like his themes are always sort of on the line, but he's experimenting with times and places and characters and, you know, for a person who sort of sticks in one lane, I think he does a really good job at trying different types of projects, but all sort of, you know, have his voice to a certain extent. I got to respect that. And even to a certain extent, like Deadbox, you know, which honestly, I don't remember anything about right now I'm telling you, but it was a completely different, different type of book than any of the other ones that he'd right. done. So I like that a lot. You know? Yeah, no, he's got a lot of ideas, which is great. Yep. They, don't, they don't always work. That's true. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Hey, that's how you can help support the show. That's the main way. There's lots of ways to help support the show, and that's how these type of shows get supported is by through listener largesse, like you're our robot. We are the family. You're the robot making the weapons. This is a bad metaphor. Over the past <laughs> few years, the patrons at patreon.com slash iFanboy have unlocked the patron pick, which we'll discuss. The Talksplodes, the Booksplodes, the Media Splodes, all those shows, the YouTube content we've been putting up onto our YouTube page, 
they get a monthly hangout they unlocked. There's lots of benefits for everyone from the patrons, but mostly for the patrons themselves. And hey, we have a new stretch goal we added recently. And lots of people ask us, hey, are you going to do a special edition show on, insert one of the many comic book shows here? And the answer is always no, because it was mostly Ron and I doing those. Ron left the show. Josh doesn't really watch a lot of those shows, so we decided we would just not do the TV shows, because there were also too many of them. But we decided, hey, enough of you have been asking, so that's our next stretch goal. If we hit our next stretch goal, you can find that on patreon.com slash fanboy, we'll start incorporating comic book TV show special editions into our roster of shows. So check that out there. And of course, after that is the uh, Return of the Barbecue video show. I have thoughts about what if. We are going to do what if as an animated franchise show. But that's okay. Which you're allowed to join if you feel like you want to. Well, thank you. I will. Patrons also have the patron Facebook group and the Discord server. They've got really great communities. They're really fun. They're really active. Lots of great people there. It feels very much like the old days of Revision 3 and the message boards. A lot of things that the, the patrons get for supporting the show, and we thank everyone who does that. Also, fmo.threadless.com is our merch store, and we currently have 11, 12, but one of us should update the number in the script. We have more shirts. That's the I'm point. I'm not counting it. We Who's added first? three more designs. Two are new. One is old. The Power Responsibility shirt, which is flying off the shelves. It's our top seller right now amongst the three new ones. It's one of our original shirts, and that's back in the store. We also have two new designs. One is I Love Comics, Say It Loud, Say It Proud. And the other is Clint is Dead. If you know what that means, you know what it looks like. And those are all available at ifanboy.threadless.com. Oh, you don't have to get them on t-shirts. They can also be got on phone covers, bath mats, notebooks. The number is 11. 11 designs. 11. They still sell the, the shower curtains. <laughs> if you wanted Clint is Dead in a shower curtain. Oh, man. You could do that if you want. That's a single man's game right there. <laughs> ifanboy.com slash support <laughs> is our paypal tip jar and we thank anyone who does that you can get a neck gator face thing with that on there and it is scary com slash amazon is where you can find the books blood books oh well. man you can do a clint is dead skateboard and it looks perfect that is cool because because that logo to me i was like that's a skateboard design yeah like right oh boy i i shouldn't know that <laughs> so <laughs> So Josh may have a skateboard in his future. I found out to come such Amazon. It's the final way. We thank everyone who helps us out in all the various means. This is how we pay the bills. This is how we reward the time spent away from our families and our other lives. We thank everyone who does that. That's why the show is still going on. Please consider supporting if you enjoy the show. Green Lantern 2021 annual number one. I wanted to mention because in this issue, Jessica Cruz has now joined the Yellow Lanterns. So she's no longer Green Lantern. And it was actually a really good issue. Ryan Katie was the writer. Sami Basri and Tom Derenek were the artists. And it was a really good issue showing the seduction of Jessica Cruz by Sinestro. And not in a sexy way, in a don't-you-want-to-join-the-yellow-lanterns way. Mm-hmm. By the end of it, it made sense. It, I was like, okay, I get it. The regular issue came out this week, Yes, too, there were right? two Green Lanterns. Okay, books this week. I think I missed the annual, but I'm hanging on by a thread with that Green Lantern book. The regular Green Lantern book, I'm definitely holding on by a thread. There are so many Green Lanterns currently, and now you've added in Teen Lantern and the one from Far Sector. And so suddenly, Jessica and Simon showed it to the side. So we're putting her into the Yellow Lanterns and putting that conflict into that was interesting. I thought it was a good issue. But it's getting to be too much, because the fact is this. The one universe that did not need new characters <laughs> was the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. You had a bunch of them when it was just green. And then Jeff Johns came along, and he was like, oh, yeah, time's nine. Yeah. And now they're like, but now there's more Green Lanterns. And, and then they killed off a bunch of people. But, boy, it seems like there's a lot left. They killed off all the ones in the background. I guess. All the ones we still know and love are still there. The green shirts. Yeah. I liked it, though. I liked it more than the regular issue, which is, again, like, like Jeff said, it's hanging on by a third of that one. The Amazing Spider-Man 73 or 874, I wanted to mention because I don't have any idea what's going on, especially with this issue. I don't know who, what is this character's name? Kindred is. It's very confusing. However, he's not Harry. Or maybe I have not. I'm not prepared to make any statements. I enjoyed it for so long, and I look at the cover now, and I see that dude on there. I was like, this has been going on for so long. Years. I do want to mention this only because it very elegantly. And this is like a textbook situation of retconning out a story that was bad, and here we retconned out the Norman Osborn, Gwen Stacy, sex and children situation. Oh, good. Turns out that Harry. Through various trickery and drugs, and Mysterio tricked his dad into thinking he had a relationship with Gwen Stacy and had children. In fact, there were none. And there was none. Mm. So, like, oh, well, at least we did that. 
Mm-hmm. Harry's like, are you kidding? <laughs> that would never have happened. And I was like, you're right. You're right, Harry. That never would have happened. Which is what we all said at the time. <laughs> that was it. Other than that, I was like, I have no fucking idea what's going on here. I know we keep talking about it, but the nice house on the left of book four from James Tinney and the fourth and Alvaro Martinez. Lake? Bueno. Nice oh, shit. I lake. keep saying the left, but it's the lake. I don't know why I keep saying that. Go on. The main problem with this book is what we talked about last time is I don't know who any of these people are. It was better this week. But I really liked the conceit of this issue in which they leave a note of what they want, and then the next day it appears in a box. At first it's all about groceries, and then it becomes mm-hmm. at least the comedian. You know, he gets all kinds of, you know, all the Academy Awards won by Lord of the Rings and most expensive watches, and he's getting stuff. It's the fantasy part before yeah. we find out what the cost is, but yeah. But I didn't even know... I thought the comedian was blonde. I don't know who's who. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a comedian. I just, But the one thing I can say is that throughout the issue, I knew who he was. Right. You know what I mean? Like I was able to tell that, oh, this is the person who is doing this, and he's talking with the girl who's sad, and he's the one who figured out you know, the go-around for the thing. And Because it focused on, I think, one person. Well, each, each issue has focused on one person. Well, this one was clearer than Yeah. I like the fact that he's observant. You know, he's a comedian. Uh-huh. And so he's the one who's figuring stuff out. Like he's seeing the relationship problems. He's figuring out the loopholes in the house because like, he's observant more than other people in the house. Comedians. Yeah, I like that part. And I, at one point he's dressed in Ferris Bueller's clothes, which I thought was funny. I don't think I noticed that. But like I said, I don't know who any of these other people are at any given moment. When there's an emotional moment with another character, I'm like, I don't know who this person is. Like, is that the girl from the first issue? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think we can both say we're rooting for this book. Yeah. Like we're still in it. You know, there's a thing here. There's, there really is, but it's work. It's still interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's work. Mm-hmm. It's work. It was not a super busy week, so I said, fine, I will read Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land, number one. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was great. <laughs> well, first of all, it was tied into Empire, which no yeah, one asked exactly. for. No one. No. That said, I don't know anything about Kazar. Like, he's, he's shown up in issues a couple times. I can't tell you I've ever read a thing. And sort of this weird domestic life as they both discover these new weird powers. I don't find the powers part to be compelling, but I found the relationships to be kind of compelling. Shanna the She-Devil, and, mm-hmm. and they have a teenage son, and, you know, he's kind of lost. <laughs> Again, it's a little like middle-aged man crisis to a certain extent. But the story here is that the, the art by uh, Herman. Or, or Herman Garcia was gorgeous. Which is the only uh, reason why I read this. I was like, oh. Mateus Lopez. I, I think I was halfway through it, and I went, Wait a minute, this book is beautiful. Yes. Like, it's got a lot of Doc Shaner to it, but a little more, a little looser. And it's more delicate. Doc yep. Shaner has the classics, heavy cartooning lines. This is a very delicate drawing. Yeah. Very light lines. Yeah, and, and just really wonderful coloring throughout the whole thing. And, you know, imagination and design. There's these mechanical living devices. And I don't quite know what's going on, but I do know that the fundamental basic of Kazar's real name is, uh, what is it? Lord Kevin Plunder. Lord yeah, Kevin right, Plunder. Lord Kevin Reginald Plunder. Yeah. You know, it's it's very silly. Well, he's Tarzan. Yeah. She's Jane. He's British. He's American. It's Tarzan and Jane. Mm-hmm. I was excited because I, I like Kazar or Kazar, however you want to say it. I've always said Kazar, but I'm, who, who yeah, knows I'm who's no right idea. here. I like the characters in the conceit. I like Tarzan, so that's probably why. But I just didn't need it to be tied into Empire. I don't remember really Empire that well. It doesn't matter. Well, I just didn't know why to. any of this stuff was happening. They've got all these new powers. He had died in an empire, and now he's back, and he's kind of like a plant man. Like, I just... It's a little swamp thing going on. I also respect the fact that there are dinosaurs in here, and it's the old-school, tiny-armed, upright Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. And they made, it made his arms extremely tiny. <laughs> That's why he's so angry. <laughs> but pretty book, though. Yeah, I will probably cool. read the next one, because I thought that level of craft was super high. Yeah, it was really great. So those books we want to talk about at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Any patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. We call it the patron pick. And this week, for the second week in a row, the patron pick matched the pick of the week. It was May's book number one. That's how you save time on a show. We've figured it out. By a lot. So yeah. May's book number one, Josh. What is your rating on May's book number one out of five? Ratings, ratings, ratings. Three and a half. Three and a half. All right. I gave it a five. But I understand why Josh gave it three and a half. Full five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sticking with it. I'll read the next one. Interesting. I get it. It's a tough world out there. You don't need a sad story right now. Maybe it ends up happy. True. 
Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron can vote down about the rundown, but if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show like these four. Uh, and they're not all gentlemen this week. Tom Coldrick. I've been really into the area of, of effect powers lately. Good. But uh, if you're hanging out with Tom, you're going to feel a little bit wasted. Just a little buzzed? <laughs> a little bit wasted, yeah. Just a little like, oof. I don't know. I, I kind of have fun with him, but it takes a lot out of you to hang out with Tom. Oh, so that kind of wasted. Just a little like bit wasted. Wiped out. You're not passing out. It's not. It's not a little bit wasted, which is a little, which is a little bit past buzzed. I see. I so a little bit past in the parlance. I see. Interesting. Do you get hung over from it? No, no. But it, all the energy, of course, that that would receive is is not. You know. Nick Vitanza. Nick can manifest any object that is recalled from memory for instance if you're talking to nick josh and you're like man when i was a kid i had this t-shirt i wore it all the time it was awesome it was a team was on it and nick can manifest that for you he can pull it out of your memory and manifest it back as it was to be fair there's entire industries who advertise to me on Instagram solely <laughs> right. for that purpose. <laughs> but this is not a recreation. This is this will be the actual thing. I can't fit in that. Right. Well, maybe your kid's good. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. Uh, we all wore gigantic clothes in the 90s. So that's I true. could probably fit in that stuff. They'd probably be too big, quite honestly. Or you could be like, you know, I had this awesome rabbit in college. <gasps> you know, they could bring back your rabbit. He's talking about my car. Yeah. I didn't have a bun. I didn't have a bunny in college. <laughs> <laughs> I would kill for that. Exactly. I would yeah. literally, I would be so happy if I woke up and I saw my 1984 rabbit in my driveway. I, I don't even know what I would do. <laughs> you would do donuts. I saw one. No, it's front wheel drive. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I saw like a rabbit truck. They did. The Mark One Rabbit is that mm-hmm. sort of first one. You never see them around anymore. But there was the Rabbit, and then there was a pickup truck version of it the other day. And I got so like, let's like look at that. And I went, oh, those are awesome. Like she's like, you're way too excited. I was like, but look at it. People need to understand that Josh loved that car as much as any human being that I knew about in college. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's absolutely my feeling on it. It represented freedom. You can save and, Connor or the car from this burning building. He's going to be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Connor can You know save what was himself. awesome about that car? Two things. One, the bolt that controlled the idle uh, was very loose. And so the only way I could stop it from uh, loosening down and installing every time was to put a piece of duct tape over it. So it literally ran because of duct tape. The other thing was that there was some sort of leak on the bottom part. So when I would drive from Maine to Ithaca and it was raining, it would drip slowly on my foot the entire time. <laughs> and in the winter, that was a problem. So I wouldn't put like grocery bags over my foot so I could drive it. Love that car. I love the jury rigged college car. Do they still do this? Is this still a thing? I figure I cars know. just are our computers and run forever now. But this was like carburetor. I remember. Actually fueling. I don't even remember whose car this was, but I remember driving through Ithaca in the car and it was like you had to like hit stuff to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like the air conditioner or the stereo. Air conditioner? I don't know. <laughs> oh, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Can you even imagine not having an air conditioning in a car right now? And I remember in in true college nerd fashion, I, don't, I also don't remember whose car this was. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a driver's license. No. Yeah, no, you were in New I York thought or... anything to do with cars was cool. He had taken a label maker and labeled all of the, the things in the car, like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like steering wheel <laughs> like like uh i don't know it was like navigation system like in in high nerd speak like it was a spaceship oh oh like like um uh the the delorean yeah like it was all like it was all labeled like it was a spaceship but it's not this brown wow. falling apart car and i thought that's so cool because i liked star trek and i didn't have a car <laughs> that's some nerdy shit that's yeah. like old school nerdy shit i, I like whose that. car that that's from back before nerds were like the thing that was when nerds were nerds nick couldn't tell me whose car that was but nick could bring me that car okay all right we're doing a show here <laughs> right right we still have two <laughs> more people to do <laughs> sorry if you want more uh, college reminiscences email us with number 800 in the subject line and we'll do that on the on the show natalia bruner can make you knock that stuff off 
Say that. Oh, let's say that you are eating cookies at night. Mm-hmm. You're uh, you're buying too many shoes. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it's the thing you're like. Oh, I wish I could just knock this off. I'm not. You know, I don't think we're talking about a heavy addiction cure. You right. Know, this isn't the cure. She's not going to knock you off heroin. Right. This isn't the oxycontin cure that the country has been hoping for. But yeah, come on, knock that off. And and you need help being pushed over that edge of like, yeah, I, I, I had to do something else. So she could just tell you knock it off and you'll knock it off. Mm-hmm. And it'll make sense. It won't be like you're feeling compelled. Like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I do need to knock that off. And and you're going to move along with it. Is the tragic irony that she can't do it for herself? I don't think I could do that to Natalia. Okay. Because it's one thing to not be able to knock off what you're doing, but to be able to have everybody else knock it off and then not be able that's just too That sick. would be the 60s Marvel thing. Was that be her power? But she yeah. couldn't do it for herself. That's the tragedy. I know how that story is going to end and it's not good. No, I can't, I can't do that to Natalia. Natalia's a normal human. Right. She, you know, she has uh, habits, and they're not all good. She's not, not buying a ton of basketball shoes. Vintage. Vintage. Yeah, yeah, vintage. Sure. Fake vintage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Adam Nadler. you said that before. Adam Nadler. No, like, I'm literally, my shelf is out of space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always more room. No, because room here's Jello. the thing about compulsive collecting of things yeah. i don't like to have so many of something that i can't actually use it so i usually stop at a certain point uh-huh. like i don't have that's why i don't have 40 guitars i have 10 sure natalia um adam nadler <laughs> natalia had her moment in the sun adam nadler can reconstitute any bread so like maybe you went and bought a baguette thinking you were going to make a baguette friendly dinner like pasta or something and then you shit. wait 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 you can you can do something other than just eat the baguette n- immediately out of the package. You right. know what? I need to knock that off. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can occasionally you know reach into the bag while you're driving home and bite the end off. You know how you said occasionally, <laughs> and you know how what I thought was that's what everyone does, isn't it? You need Natalia, is what you're saying, to come over, and she's got a lot of work to Nothing. do at your place. Nothing in the entire world is better than driving home looking over at a piece of bread, <laughs> ripping a hunk of that bread off while you drive and eating it. Okay. That's the best thing you're ever going to eat. Anyway, if you don't happen to do that and you leave, you know, like, oh, shit, we actually can't use this tonight and the next day it's a little, a little stale, Adam can return it to its peak breadness. Or, you know, you go to the, you know, you go to make a sandwich and your loaf of bread is moldy. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Return That's it nice. to peak breadness. Oh, man. Peak breadness is. Yeah. Can I tell you something about myself? Yeah. If I eat bread, like a big piece of bread or whatever, I get hiccups almost immediately every time. Well, it's all the air in the bread. I guess. Lindsay thinks I'm insane. Well, but it, like, she'll be in the other room and she'll just hear, <laughs> she'll be like, you ate the bread. No, I didn't. <laughs> we, we, we have 15 years of shows to possibly prove Lindsay to be correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thanks for being patrons at the $5 high level Tom, Nick, Natalia, and Adam. You can do so as well. Get your superpower live on the show. Hey, look, we have time for email, and we don't even have to rush. And we and we 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 wasted a lot of time already. Famous last words, by the way. Jason M writes in. I've been thinking about this for the past four years, since Brian Michael Bendis went to DC. Has it been four years? Probably. I've noticed a lot of similarities between Bendis and Jack Kirby's DC tenures. Both left Marvel. Bendis on better terms. I wouldn't necessarily think so. For DC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with much fanfare for their arrival, both focus on the Superman-related titles as well as cosmic stuff with a common narrative running through their various books. Both creators came loaded with tons of ideas, but didn't seem to fully connect with DC characters or readers. Kirby eventually, and begrudgingly returned to Marvel later on, and with the announcement of Bendis taking his Jinx World books to Dark Horse, a return to Marvel to somewhere down the line could one day happen for him too. Were both creators too ingrained in the Marvel Universe in style to get the same handle on the DC characters, or did readers' tastes change... At the same time, both men unfortunately took a leap into a new career venture. I would go even further and say that DC knew that there was a similarity because the ads that DC used to publicize Bendis' moving to DC were the same exact ads they used for Kirby. They used the same format, layout, copy. Yeah. Instead of King is Coming, they said Bendis is Coming, but it was the same ads. I mean, they wanted it to be that. Yeah, they wanted it to be that, yeah. That said, I actually don't see a whole lot of similarities other than that part. I think mm. Bendis had a storied and extremely successful and lucrative career at Marvel. My understanding is that he had a pretty great contract at Marvel. Yeah, he did. Which Kirby did not. 
Kirby was a freelance employee. Well, it's a different world. I mean, it's a very different world. Totally. Right. But that's Kirby would have had that why. contract if he had existed now instead of in the 60s. Right. But would that exist now if it wasn't for well, yeah, whatever? Yeah, I mean, but yeah. You know, and then, you know, Kirby had just soured on Marvel entirely. You know, Bendis was part of the creative committee and did all the stuff. And Kirby just had it had been like the last straw, you know, of, of whatever the stuff was. And, you know, he got wooed over there by DC and it was supposed to be a big deal, but that didn't even go very well. You know, when Bendis got there, Bendis, I guarantee you, got to say, I'm going to do this and this. And they went, sure thing, Brian. When Kirby got there, they went, somebody redraw those faces. Like, right. it wasn't the respect. They weren't rewriting uh, Bendis' scripts. No. It's funny, because it's actually such a different world that I find it very difficult to make. I think you can make creative comparisons between... Yeah, I think that's mostly where he's going here is... Yeah, sorry. I, and I, don't, I, would... I don't know that either is unsuccessful. You know, I think Kirby came in and he brought in the new gods. Now, was his Superman work as successful? No. And like you said, they redrew some of it because it didn't fit the house style. And But he did the Jimmy Olsen book, and then he created a whole universe of characters that literally they're still using this week. I don't think that's mm-hmm. unsuccessful at all. And I think, you know, if you listen to the show, we quite enjoyed Bendis' DC work to mm-hmm. various degrees. Not all of it's worked, but, I, you know, we love the first year of Superman, both sides of it. And I'm still enjoying Checkmate. I'm enjoying Justice League. I mean, like, yeah, there's yeah, a lot of good comics yeah. in there. It's just that they don't sell because his name is on them. The world has changed. Yes. Bendis yeah. was the biggest name in comics for a decade, and then things changed. So the, the other thing, though, is that, like, what Kirby wanted, and this is creative but also structural, is, like, he wanted to be in charge of his own comics. So he mm-hmm. wrote, drew, edited. If there was anybody, he brought on his inker. They didn't like his inker, so they tried to replace his inker. You know, he wanted to, like, have his own little world and land of comics. And Bendis didn't do that. Bendis mm-hmm. was like, I want to write these books. And Bendis, he has a lot of pull. So he's not going to take an artist that he doesn't want. And he's probably going to make that shot, that call on who it is. But it's not, it's not exactly, it's, yeah, it's just a different world. But he didn't want the same, he didn't, he, I don't think Bendis was looking for the same thing that Jack was. Jack was looking for. Respect. Yeah, and relevance and, and his due and proper and Bendis already had it. Bendis, Bendis, Bendis doesn't suffer from insecurity, I don't think, with his no. work in that way. They're not one-to-ones. But the question is, was the arc similar? And possibly. I think, you know, we might be outliers. I think we are outliers in enjoying his DC work. So, I mean, in that sense, it's not super successful. He's not moving the needle on the sales front. Enjoy it or not. And people have said, and I've heard it, like, hey, you know, people really talk about the Marvel characters that he created in those stories. But... There's a lot of DC characters that are around because of him. You know, Etrigan, um, not Kazar, but the other one, Kamandi. Mm-hmm. You see Etrigan all the time. You know, you you see, you know, the new gods are an integral part of the DC universe now. Mm-hmm. Those had staying power that I think people tend to overshadow because of the staying power of like the Fantastic Four. But and no one can say he didn't create those things whole cloth, and they're still around. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to take another route too. It was such a great world that it left so many entry points for telling different types of stories so that you have different versions of Mr. Miracle or, uh, you know, like you, you can change around Orion's story. You put Orion on the on the Justice League for a while and and, you know, who Darkseid is and all the stuff that Tom King has done with that. Ben just created a couple of characters, but he didn't create a whole world. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Jack did, though. Jack you know, no, I know. I, I, it, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but it's not. It's also not a far-off comparison. I don't think. I think it's further off than I think you do. He's talking about the sort of arc of their. Mm-hmm. From, well, from are we talking about level. the career. Or are we talking about create creativity because the creativity stuff, like they created different things, in different. You know, Bendis did what he does. He he takes over a book or a family of books, and and he he makes it his, and he does he does that awesome. Whereas Jack was, he, he tried to do that to a certain extent, but really what he wanted to do and what he was ultimately more successful was, was just building a new thing. Uh, see, I, where I disagree with Jason is I don't think either of them didn't have a handle on DC characters. I just think they, they were both at oh. different ports in their careers. Oh, yeah. No, I don't agree with that at all. They were both past the point of sales or cultural relevance. And that, 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 what I mean is, like, again, Bendis doesn't move the needle in terms of sales. Jack didn't reinvent the DC universe. You know, it was 10 years after Fantastic Four at this point. A lot of readers had moved on. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean what they did wasn't lasting and impactful, at least for Kirby's yeah. side. Yeah, sure. I mean, so I, I don't yeah. necessarily agree with the ultimate point Jason's making, but I think there are some similarities in their overall, you know, they both came in the later parts of their careers and after falling out with Marvel and they both worked with Superman books. Like, that's all true. Yeah, I and mean, it's an interesting discussion to have. And I, you know what? I know a lot more about the details of Jack's situation than I do Bendis's. 
So that's another thing too. I'm trying to think of like arcs of careers because it seems to me like Jack's career spans such a long time. But then when you said it was only sort of 10 years in between the new gods and Marvel, that kind of struck me. Because mm-hmm. Bendis has been around for oh, two decades in comics now. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like that long, but it's double the time of Jack and Stan and Steve creating the Marvel Universe to him taking off. Yes. You know, it wasn't that long. You know, like that's, that's but he, Bendis. He, he had been in comics longer. It, right. Well, that's that's the difference. I think that you, you start the clock at a different place. Yeah. You know, he'd been in comics since the late 30s. Right. So 40 years at that point. Mm-hmm. Jimmy L., which is spelled like Jimi Hendrix, but not an L. Maybe Jimmy's middle name was Lawrence. <laughs> James Lawrence Hendricks. It's James. Anyway, I have been listening to your show since the days of the video cast a long, long, long time ago. Anyway, this is a question I've always wanted for Connor. Why do you agree with the corporate side of things where Peter Parker should not be allowed to grow and be married and or divorced? You said Peter works best as this young screw up, but isn't Miles Morales more fitting for that kind of role? I am going to leave. I, you just text me when you're done. <laughs> I mean, I agree with it because it's right. <laughs> it's a weird. That's a weird way to phrase the question because it's like someone saying, "Why is Josh the best host for the show when you got Tom Caters right here?" Well, because Josh is the host, and Peter Parker is Spider Man, and Peter Parker's. Uh, can I strike the remark? <laughs> Peter Parker should that's not be the reason. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, you are the thing. The thing exists. Right. That's you. Peter Parker is the thing. It exists. It's Peter Parker. I mean, for me, and I realize Miles Morales exists in the Marvel Universe, but he's a non-factor. For, like, I don't read any of the books he's involved in. I don't think there was any real benefit to bring him over into the regular Marvel Universe. So we could get that awesome movie. The movie was awesome, but you could have done the movie without him being in the, in the Marvel Universe. Sure. We talked about it at the time, like, what's going to be the benefit of this? And I don't think there's really any, any real benefit to it in terms of the overall tapestry of, of the universe. But anyway, the point of the question... Why do I agree with the corporate side that Peter Parker shouldn't grow and change and get married and divorced? Because these are eternal characters. They have to exist beyond you and me and Josh and Jimmy. They have to exist for 50 more years, or they should. And so, therefore, you can't do that to them. You can't make fundamental changes to them without totally blowing that proposition. We all have very strong emotional attachments to these characters because we often read them for decades and decades and decades. But we, we sometimes forget that they aren't our characters. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker was created in the 60s. And they got to exist for another 60 years. Why would you want to take away Peter Parker, Spider-Man from a kid in, in 2062 or 2092? Mm-hmm. Comic fans get so emotionally attached to the characters, they want them to evolve with them as readers. You know, we start off as kids reading them. We're younger than the characters. We look up to the characters. And then at a certain point, we're the same age as the characters. Then at a certain point, we get older. We want their lives to reflect our own. But they can't without destroying them. Why would you want to destroy them? Quesada's whole thing was... The only thing more unrelatable to a kid than a married superhero is a divorced superhero. And that, I agree with that. Peter Parker can't be a young so hero who's divorced. That, that, that he's like a totem. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, uh, I, I think that that point makes sense, and I have heard it, but I think that you put it in a really understandable way, is that the, the, the character is a representative of a thing. And so the basis of that character is is this thing. And if you change that, then you change the character and then that character's gone. Yeah. The only thing that I would say is that we do live in a world where you can have more than one of those characters. And if the version that the most people see is one thing, because the version that the least, I'd say that the, the least important version to the public at large is what's happening in the mainstream regular comic book. Yes. However, Yes, however, the thing happening in the mainstream comic book is the thing that influences the other things. I know this from on both sides of the aisle, is that publishing still makes the big decisions. And the things mm-hmm. that are done in the other mediums are still based off of what publishing is doing. So the main Peter Parker, the main Clark Kent, the main Bruce Wayne, the main Steve Rogers, that has to be the one in the comic book. And it has to be eternal. That's why I don't like Damien. That's why I don't like Jonathan Kent. It's changing the character in ways that we don't necessarily see until it's too late. Right. I don't disagree with that. I think there are benefits to the, some of those others. I think, you know, I, I, like, I think you're right about John Kent. At the same time, I've enjoyed the Superman as a There's, there's short-term benefits to the stories right. people are reading right now, but you have to think larger than that because these are characters. The Greek myths, you know, the characters are eternal and unchanging because mm-hmm. they have to be universal forever. 
Listen, these are mythological characters. Peter Parker has to be Peter Parker forever. Not because we want to change him now, because we're, we're the ones reading him right now. It's a selfish thought. We've all had it. I'm not mm-hmm. attacking Jimmy. Everyone's had it. You even go back into the 60s and read the letter column. The same questions were being asked just years after they were created. Mm-hmm. Because people who are reading it now want it to be about now, but it's more than now. We're going to die. Peter Parker's going to live on. And he has to live on. You do have that cosmic reset button, though. That's Marvel the, doesn't the tend to press it as much. They did it with Peter Parker because it, it had right. gone too far. And DC seems loath to now. You know, they didn't really change that much with New 52 even. The characters right, all yeah, stay no. the same. So we are stewards of these characters, but we, we can't change them to fit our liking. They have to live forever. I feel like there's, from a corporate, the corporate point of view is is not the same as yours, really. It's just about on that one character that was a thing. And I don't even think of that as a corporate point of view. I think if that is, it just happened that Joe Casada was in charge of that corporation in the yeah. same way that when Danny DiDio was in charge of the, the Nightwing situation, right. that wasn't really like a, that was, that, was, that was like it was being driven by the opinion of one guy, you know, valid or no. I think that every, basically the corporations want to have their cake and eat it too which is sort of possible, and I don't know that I blame them for it, but I think that's how you get that morass of, of you know, continuity or whatever. Yep. But, so, but I have also started to think that that's a feature, not a bug. I, I, I appreciate it more now. I appreciate that it's annoying, if that makes sense. Like, I don't get mad about it. I think it's, I think it's kind of funny. Like, oh, this is a complete mess, unless the stories that you read aren't clear or aren't good because of it. Other than that, it's great. And what you said earlier is not wrong. Like, we're in a world where you can now have various Spider-Men. You can have a Peter Parker graphic novel about him in high school. You can have, But at the end of the day, the through line is still the through line, and it has to exist. I know it's frustrating. The number one complaint about comic readers, and it used to be something that Josh did all the time, was that nothing changes, nothing happens. And that's, and that's the point. Yes. What about this, though? It's a never-ending battle for truth, justice. One of the life. strengths of Batman that we've talked about is his ability to be many things. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have many different types of Batman. So what is the through line that makes that eternal, which is different than, it's I the, guess it's, he never gets it's married. The building blocks. Family, it's, which, right. ba- it's Batman and Alfred and Gotham City. It's, it's, you, you can't change the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Marrying Catwoman is, a, is the change of the fundamentals, which is why I knew that was never going to happen. They, can, they, can, they can do future stories. No, because then there's divorce Batman, and it's a whole different thing. You can do future stories where it's, well, where I it's mean, happened. This is the complaint that we have about every time you kill... You know, they killed Jason Todd. When they do stuff, that would break the character. So then you have to live with this cognitive dissonance of, so now we've got this superhero character who's broken mm-hmm. until we learn to start ignoring that and going back and then eventually bring that character back. Very interesting. I can't think of another medium. There isn't one because nothing goes on forever like comics. Right, but these do. It's really interesting. They go on forever and every week. Like TV shows are the only other medium that's similar but TV shows don't go on every week forever. They, they go on for 10 weeks soap or operas. 20 weeks. Soap operas. That's but, the only other thing. But those actors age. The and actors so, age out of their roles and die because they're real people. James Bond is the closest. Yes and no, because it's only, they come out every couple of years and it's, it's right. you know. It's soap operas is the only other storytelling device that's similar to comics in that these stories have been happening for 30 years. But like you said, they're dependent on real people. And those people do age, so you can't ignore Batman you doesn't have to age ever. He can remain 33 forever. That's a good question. That was a better question than it seemed at first. Yeah, no, for sure. Good question, Jimmy. Jason, as well, contact.fanboy.com is where you can write in to get questions on this show. Also, for the Media Explode monthly show, if you do have a Media Explode question, please put Media Explode in the subject line so we know what it's for. And also, this is episode 797, which means in three weeks, episode 800 is coming. And if you know what that means, you know it's the all-email spectacular that we do on the big shows. We'll talk about the Pick of the Week book, and then we'll spend the rest of the time talking about answering your emails. So if you want your email considered for that show and not every email will make it just because we get too many, put 800 in the subject line so we know. We've already started filing them away. We've already got lots of good questions for it, but we always want more. So episode 800 is coming. Put 800 in the subject line. Any subject you want to talk about? You want to ask us questions about college, about Josh's car, about comics, anything you want. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about it. We won't necessarily answer your question, but we'll talk about it. We'll say something. Yeah. What's happening now? Well, previous to the show, you had the special edition Batman Long Halloween Part 2, which was the animated brain trust talking about the second part of the Batman Long Halloween adaptation. That's behind the show in the feed. Coming up this very week, you'll have the next media explode. What's it going to be about? We don't know. And then later this month, you'll have a talk explode. Josh, yeah. you have it scheduled? Yeah. Uh, not quite. The heavens opened up, the light shined down on you, and you got a, an episode yep. maybe scheduled. Yeah. By the end of this month. The next two are scheduled. More or less. They're agreed to. I just got to do them. 
So there you go. And then if you're a patron, the next patron hangout, September 18th, 9 p.m. Eastern. Before that will be the happy hour. So if you're a patron, you want to hang out with us and talk nonsense. So that's, that's where a lot of comic issues are discussed. Like We spent a lot of time mm-hmm. talking about the Substack news in the last hangout. So if you want to join up, you can join up before September 18th and come hang out with us. And then, like I said, the Pick of the Week 800 show is coming. We're going to live stream that shit. It's going to be October 1st at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. And we may or may not have Ryan helped with us. He just had a baby, if you haven't seen. So he is in discussions. So we'll find out. It may just be me and Josh. It may be me, Josh, and Ryan. We don't know. And finally, Shang-Chi is out in theaters. Made a lot of money. But we won't be reviewing it until it hits streaming because neither Josh nor I want to go to the movie theater right now. Even though Actually, don't. I was looking. I might go on like a Tuesday night. Josh might go on a Tuesday night because where he lives, there won't be anybody there. But neither one of us, although we love going to the movies, want to go to the movies right now. Mm-hmm. There you go. We did it. We did it. You Again. Have, you, have the, you have the end. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, sorry. You, you know what was happening there? What? I was looking at products on uh, <laughs> Like Seriously. <laughs> well, the sale's going on. We didn't mention that. Sorry. Uh, when yeah. you hear the show, there'll be a couple more days of the sale happening at the iFanboy store. The shirts are $15, I believe. Yeah, you can see all the products are, are marked down to a, a certain extent. I think it's 10% off. What's the date it ends? I don't know. You're looking at it. I'm looking at this, but it doesn't say. It says what the, the price is and what the discount is, but it doesn't say when it ends. So listen, get over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our shows, our vast history of comic book writing from all our talented writers. You can go to facebook.com slash ifanboy and at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can also go to C.S. Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. And that's ironic, given what I said about social media earlier, but... Those are pretty harmless areas to be. You can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy and keep up to date with the old video show re-uploads. This past week, there's a mini with my pal Alex Robinson's first comic. It's the first one he made. First one he made. That's what I figured it yeah. was. Which was like in, when he was a kid, he still has it, so he walked us through Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. That's awesome. I don't remember that. I kind of remember I didn't it. remember it either. I was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, shit. That's awesome. Yeah. I might send that to him. There's a vault show where we talk about battlefields, the Garthanish's. Yeah, yep, war book, yep, yep. Spawn Origins, and yep. Unknown Soldier. I'm just trying to look for a theme there. There isn't one. There isn't one. Unknown Soldier was a, was a that was a Vertigo mini, I think. Yes. Based on the, the time, older war yes. comic. It was a Josh before. Dysart book, I think. Ooh, I think that's correct. Wow. Where did I pull that out of? I don't know. There's a lot of things I can't remember, but there's a lot of things I can that I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't need that one in there. We did a show on Terry Moore. This was uh, the part that included the uh party uh to for the end of strangers in paradise and Is then it? we talked about the work maybe maybe i don't remember I... terry moore of strangers in paradise this is actually before he'd done a lot of other the books that he's done he's, he's created universe he had just started echo yeah there's a couch show we lit through his career and then i think there was an interview in there i think you're right yeah he was doing like he did birds of prey for a little while i think yeah he did a couple of dc books they had him do a couple yeah. and he did runaways and then none, none of those really worked oh, yeah. back to uh his, his Doing his thing. So here's the deal on the sale. So if you are listening to this show, when it comes out on Sunday, September 12th, that is the last day of the t-shirt sale. So you get one day. If you listen to this on Monday, it's too late. Sunday, September 12th, sale ends at 5 p.m. Central time. Regular tees are $15. Everything else is reduced prices. So if you want to check out one of our shirts or you want to get that Hawkeye skateboard, Josh, that you were probably looking at. I've got time. Well, the, you know what also looks good? Stay Home and Read Comics skateboard looks awesome. <laughs> so, And then the I Love Comics, I was looking to see well, it goes sideways. So instead of being vertical mm. and small, it goes lengthwise across the skateboard, which is nice. And I thought, you know what would look good on that is nothing makes sense, nothing matters on the skateboard, but that is not enabled for skateboard. So mm. we're going to talk to the person who administrates <laughs> that and make that possible. So yeah, right. so there you go. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's a star rating or a written review. We appreciate that. It helps the algorithm, which is everyone knows it's all about the algorithm. And even better than that is tell your friends word of mouth is a great way to help support the show. Let them know that you enjoy our suite of podcasts, as I told someone recently. Oh. And thanks for listening this week. This was a fun one. Here's another thing you learned about me this week. What? You said, what are you doing? And I don't lie. I'm bad at it. So just yeah. go, I was looking at this thing. Because <laughs> that's my MO. But yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing that I was looking through the products that we sell. No. no. I was fascinated. I was like, this is 
great what we're doing here. You also let people know that we we actually don't get them for free. We have to buy them ourselves as well. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's We're all the same in that sense. Tell you what, though. What? The tri-blend shirt, the best. that's the way to go. They yeah. hold up great. I got, did I tell you I got complimented on my tri-blend Stay Home Read Comics shirt the other day? I was no. out getting a COVID test. Nice. Because I had a tertiary exposure. Mm-hmm. I was walking to the clinic in my tri-blend Stay Home Read Comics baseball tee. And this guy stopped me. He said, that's a great shirt. I said, thank you. Nice. And then I gave him a card, and, and we're friends now. Well, all right, None then. Of that and you got the, is the red tri-blend? It's the red arms and gray body. Nice. Yeah, it's a good one. It's my favorite shirt. It's really comfortable. Anyway, yep. that's this week's show. I had fun. Did you have fun? I had a, I I had a you had, great time. I had fun out there in listener land. And we'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Connor. I had an awesome time. We know, <laughs> we Frank, know. The whole town knows you had an awesome time. <laughs> I just watched that this week. Rewatched it. <laughs> Always good. Thank you, my-